At the end of World War II, workers repaired a statue of Jesus in a bombed-out cathedral in England. They repaired the whole figure except the hands. At the bottom of the statue, they left this inscription, Christ has no hands but ours. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One name, one name, yeah. Zipper. Zipper. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, every eye closed, every head bowed, and I want you to think about the Great Commission and how you represent your faith to the world, all right? Just go it. just every head, every eye closed, every head bowed. Just do that. Make disciples. <laughs> How many disciples have you made? Are you fulfilling the Great Commission? We are the only hands that he has. In the words of Francis Schaeffer, how then shall, shall we then live? With a due sense of responsibility, right? Purpose, drive, I would think. With a due sense of decorum, taking care how you represent yourself to the world. Uh, how, how, how you witness. So how, how, are you, how are you doing? Does the world take you seriously? Does the world take your witness seriously? Or do they think that you're a fool? You saw that my zipper was down, didn't you? <laughs> That's a bit terrifying, don't you think? I mean, Jesus gave the great commission to people like us. <laughs> What's he thinking? Seriously. You don't entrust the fate of the planet and humanity's eternal destiny to guys who forget to zip up their pants. Honestly, the great commission has terrified me. At times, it's been the most debilitating verse in all of Scripture. I, I calculate how many disciples I've made, uh, if I'm observing all that he commands, and wonder if people will have to forever suffer in hell because I have not turned them into disciples. I'm filled with fear and can't seem to produce any faith in me, let alone anyone else. Just reading the Great Commission makes me unable to fulfill it. So maybe I'm missing something. Maybe we're missing something. Matthew 28, 16, this is the context for the Great Commission. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. Remember that uh, he directed them to this mountain through the two most unlikely disciple-makers in all of Israel, Mary of Magdalene and the other Mary that you met last week. Matthew 28, 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, what Matthew and Isaiah refer to as Galilee of the nations or Galilee of, of, the, of the peoples. Galilee of the Gentiles. Uh, they went to the, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. This mountain is the seventh and final mountain in the Gospel of Matthew. 
And on this mountain, the new Jerusalem is coming down. For uh, these 11 guys are 11 of the 12 foundation stones in the new Jerusalem that you can read about in Revelation 12 and in 1 Peter, verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. They worshiped Jesus, but some doubted. A more accurate translation might be all doubted some. Wow. So the Great Commission is given to 11 men who had all fled from Christ in his hour of greatest suffering and need just a few days before and now still doubted some. And yet, nevertheless, worshiped. Have you ever met anyone like that? Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, to them he said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority, all ecousia, also translated power or freedom. This is personal power and freedom, a person with absolute power and freedom. This authority is the power of the author over his story, which is his story. It's the power of the plot, the word, the power that upholds all things. All authority has been given to Jesus. So how much authority is left to be given to Jesus in the future? Do the math, yeah. All authority minus all authority leaves zero authority left to be given to Jesus in the future as if it is finished, like he, he really meant that. All authority is his, yet, yet in this world, other things do seem to have authority, right? But how much authority do they actually have? Do the math. All authority minus all authority given to Jesus leaves no authority left for like kings and governments and armies and the devil or Donald Trump. Or you? Do you think you have authority? If Jesus is right, which is a, something to consider, but if Jesus is right, you must only have an illusion of authority. That means that you accomplish things, you think you accomplish things according to your will. But God accomplishes all things According to his will, writes Paul in Ephesians 1, God's will in flesh is Jesus. And Jesus literally means, the name Jesus literally means God is salvation. All authority has been given to him. I know of very few people, if any people, who actually uh, believe that for more than maybe a few seconds at a time, that all authority has been given to Jesus and that God accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will. Ephesians 1.11, God accomplishes all things according to the counsel of his will, verse 19, according to the working of his great might, which he accomplished in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come 
come and he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. His body. So we actually are his hands. And yet he is in authority. My head is in authority and expresses its will through my hands. My hands are most free when they're under the authority of my head. Well, Jesus is the head, and he has all authority. Yet, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul does write this, that Christ will destroy, will destroy every rule, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjection under his feet. So Jesus is in absolute authority, and yet he still allows some lying authorities to exist in their illusions of authority for a time. Maybe that's because each of us is a lying authority. And he wants to reveal how he conquers our kingdoms of lies with his love. And maybe he wants to conquer all things through us as his body of love. And maybe he wants us to know, not as a theory, not just as a theory, but as an experience that all authority has been given unto him, and he is good. So he says to us, and to the new Jerusalem sitting on the mountain, all authority is mine. And then go therefore. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all ethnos, all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. All authority is mine. Go therefore, go therefore, therefore go. It seems we always forget to ask what the therefore is therefore. So we try to fulfill the great commission, but commit the great omission. We omit the first part of Christ's statement, what the therefore is therefore, which means we can't fulfill the great commission, for you can't go therefore if you don't know what the therefore is therefore. We can't fulfill the great commission but we do make disciples of our great omission because we don't pay attention what the therefore is therefore. We omit the fact that Christ has all authority and teach the lie that we ourselves have some authority and thus we create false authorities, false people. We preach Mises instead of Jesus. Jesus, Yahashua, means God is salvation, but we teach me is salvation. Me, Hashua, Mises. I invented that word. I think it's pretty good, don't you? Mises and, and Jesus. Do you preach Mises or Jesus? We say it's, it's things like, we say this. It, it's your move. It's, it's your choice. It's your decision. Go therefore. 
I can't tell you the number of times I've been to missions and evangelism conferences where I've heard something like this. We're losing the culture war. The Muslims are coming. People are going to hell. It's been 2,000 years since the Great Commission, and it seems like we're, well, we're screwing it up. So get worried and go there for Let's go. Let's go. God needs us. Let's go. We preach go because God needs us. Jesus preached go because God doesn't need you. God doesn't need our help. When I was a little boy, my daddy never needed my help. And yet I was constantly saying this, can I help, can I help, can I help, can I help, can I help? And when he let me, it, it wasn't a chore. I'd put my little hands on the mower, and he'd put his big hands over my little hands. He didn't need my help, but he wanted my help. He wanted me to share his joy. The Lord doesn't need our help, but he wants us to share his joy, the joy of the master and the parable of the talents. He wants us to share his joy. If you've ever looked a despairing person in the eye, and said with confidence and joy, oh, God adores you. And now listen closely. In the name of Jesus and under the authority of his blood, your sins are forgiven you. If you've ever done that, you know your father's joy. Jesus said, all authority has been granted unto me. Go therefore. No, he doesn't say where to go. So maybe it isn't about where we go so much as how we go, as if it's not a program or a map, as if the road really is how it is walked, as if Jesus really is the way, and lo, he's with us always, as if you could trust in the Lord and he would make straight your path and you could then enjoy the trip. Go worshiping. Go believing that Christ has conquered. Go as if you already hear the eternal anthem of praise sung by every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is within them. Go, therefore. So how do we go? Cautiously? <laughs> Carefully? Anxiously? responsibly how shall we then live years ago I felt like God gave me a movie that have has discipled me for, for a long I mean I honestly think of things from this movie at, at troubling times over and over again he's like discipled me for years how shall we then live just like this first you trade the Cadillac for a microphone then you lie to me about the band. Now you're gonna put me right back in the joint. They're not gonna catch us. We're on a mission from God. Pants and burgers. Yeah. 
Lots of space in this mall. Disco pants and haircuts. Yeah. Baby clothes. This place has got everything. Pure one imports. out of them high-paying gigs. Oh, yeah? Well, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. We're on a mission from God. Are you the police? No, ma'am. We're musicians. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Ma'am, would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matt here to do is a holy thing? You see... We're on a mission from God. Hey, Jake. There's got to be at least $7 worth of change here. Maury, we need this gig. We're on a mission from God. Now, if you're familiar with that brilliant piece of New Covenant filmmaking, <laughs> you know the plot. Jake and Elwood Blues are sinners, failures, and fools, but they receive a revelation in worship at the Triple Rock Church. They see the light, and they receive a commission. It's to raise $5,000 in 11 days in order to save the St. Helen of the Blessed Shroud Orphanage from foreclosure due to back taxes in Calumet County. It's a mission impossible, and yet it's a mission from God. So they surrender all their talents and set out to pull the band back together, give a concert in a great concert hall, and raise the necessary money in order to save the orphans who have no father. All the authority structures of northern Illinois, they conspire against them, including the state police and the Illinois chapter of the Nazis. All the authorities, yet there is no higher authority than God. They're on a mission from God, and so they know they cannot fail. Therefore they go. Therefore they go. In faith, without fear, they enjoy the ride, and nothing can stop the music. All authority has been given to Jesus. That's the music to Jesus. His name means God is salvation. All authority has been given uh, to Jesus. That's the music. Therefore, go. Therefore, go and make disciples. And actually, Jesus doesn't even say make disciples as if I could make a disciple any more than I could make a piece of fruit. Make disciples is one word in Greek. It's, it's a verb. So literally, he, he says going therefore or having gone therefore disciple. It means let your light so shine. Don't hide your light under a bushel. No, 
Let it shine. It, you know, it's strange that we turn discipleship into a program because discipleship is like the anti-program. Discipleship is following a person, and discipling is allowing other people to see your person. So Jesus loved his Father in the presence of others. Jesus sang his song so that others could, could hear and begin to, to dance. Jesus shared his life. Not a program, but a person. All authority has been given to me, says Jesus. If you, if you hear him, you now have a commission. Going, therefore, disciple. We're all going somewhere. So wherever you go, that's your mission. Love God in the presence of people, and you are a missionary. And your employer pays your salary, so we don't have to. Unless, of course, you're Francis or something, then it, but you know, you know what I mean. And, and don't worry. You're on a mission from God. You'll experience setbacks. You will experience what at times feels like absolute failure, and you will die. But you cannot truly fail. You're on a mission from God. You can't fail. But if you then ask, well, well then why try? Maybe you haven't begun. Because maybe you haven't been to the mountain or maybe you haven't heard the good news. Maybe you don't trust God is salvation, but you trust that you are salvation. If you don't want to announce the good news, you haven't heard the good news and therefore shouldn't share the good news because you don't know what it is or that it's good, that he is good. You know, for most of the Gospels, Jesus tells people not to tell other people who he is. Scholars refer to that as the messianic secret. Jesus says, don't tell for most of the Gospel but now to these 11 men on the seventh mountain who no longer have faith in themselves, but whose only hope is Jesus, he says, going therefore, disciple. All nations, all people, go. And he has all authority. Well, it's not a program, it's a person. It's being with a person. It's not a program, it's, it's a person. It's not a duty, it's a desire. You know, when I was five, I didn't mow the lawn out of fear of not fulfilling my duties. I mowed the lawn in hope of walking with my dad and sharing his, his joy. I, I never thought, if Dale just mow the lawn anyway, why even try? That's why I wanted to try. I saw my dad mowing the lawn, and I wanted to do whatever I saw my father doing. Why try? Why does a bird sing? Why do children want to mow the lawn and bake with easy-bake ovens? Why do you hug your children? Why do you make love? You know, my bride is purposeful, but not purpose-driven. I don't want a purpose-driven bride. <laughs> I want a loving bride. 
A purpose-driven bride is constrained by fear that she won't fulfill her purpose. I want a bride constrained by love because she trusts me and my love. And isn't that the purpose of the covenant of marriage? It's to set us free to love, no longer constrained by fear. It allows us to be and to do the beautiful thing, to love for no reason, because love is the reason. Jesus has just ratified the eternal covenant in his blood. He's speaking to his new bride, the new Jerusalem on the seventh mountain. He's saying, I did it, sweetheart. It's finished. And you saw it, and now you know it. You, you know me. Go therefore. <laughs> and fruit will happen. Disciples will happen. Worship Jesus, and you'll bear testimony to Jesus, and disciples of Jesus will happen. Worship your program, your purpose, your duty, and you'll make disciples, all right? You'll make disciples of, of you. For that story is about you, the gospel of you, the glory of you, the imitation Christ, the antichrist. You can make lots of disciples that way, but they'll all be dead in bondage to fear, pretending that it's faith. And you'll be dead and unable to love. If it's about me, it depends on me, and then I'm terrified for me, and I'm trapped in me, and I'm unable to love another. Fear throws me back on myself, and then I can't love well, I can't live well, I can't dance well, I can't sing well, I can't play well. You know, the Blues Brothers is a musical. I was thinking about this the day, other day. I think it's the only musical that I ever liked, but it's a, it's a musical. It's a musical. I didn't even notice, but in the movie, uh, that's, I love that scene where the woman says, are you the police? And Elwood says, no, ma'am, we're musicians. They don't live by the law as if they were following dance steps in some book somewhere. They're animated by the music music that they hear in the depths of their soul. All great musicians must lose themselves in the music in order to find themselves playing along. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. That's the music. Going therefore, disciple. That's how we dance and how we play along. Going therefore, disciple, said Jesus, and baptize in the name, singular, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one dance. Baptism represents losing your life and finding it in the great dance. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is, is, is the dance of love that gives us life. Well, it's not a program, but a person you dance with. It's not a program, but a person. It's not a duty, but a desire. It's not a discipline, but a dance. And it's not about you. It's all about him. The Blues Brothers is a musical, and it's a comedy. Jake and Elwood are fools. They are holy fools. The Eastern Orthodox Church rep uh, recognizes the status of 
the holy fool as a living lesson for all who uh, believe and want to, to believe. The, the first saint to be recognized as a fool was Saint Simeon Salas. In the sixth century, he practiced private acts of kindness toward others, but then made a fool of himself in, in public. He feasted on fast days, especially on beans to enhance the desired effect. It's said that he even defecated in public. He was routinely kicked out of mass for throwing nuts at the altar candles. On Good Friday, as the priest was admonishing the people to mortify their flesh, St. Simeon pulled out a long sausage and began to eat it during the service. As they were dragging him out of the church for the last time, he said this, the essence of human sinfulness is to take ourselves and our rituals too seriously. You can only serve one master. So you can take yourself seriously or God seriously. Either he has authority or you have authority. If you take yourself seriously, you cannot take God seriously. And if you take God seriously, well, you won't take yourself very seriously. The world doesn't take God seriously, and so they cannot take themselves lightly. My daughter was in Key Club at Bear Creek High School. Driving in the car one day, she told me about one of their guest lecturers that had come and spoken to them. This guy was giving a speech on being a good citizen or something. He was very serious, but he had forgotten to zip up his zipper. Everyone saw. But when he saw, he wouldn't acknowledge what he saw. Elizabeth said this, Dad, he had everyone in class close their eyes and meditate on what he had said. And then, Dad, he zipped up his fly. Everyone heard it. And then he just went on and finished his lecture. Yet Elizabeth didn't remember what he said. She remembered his zipper. They had all meditated on his zipper. <laughs> when we deny our failures, the world just sees our failures. But when we acknowledge our failures, they become our strength. For if we don't take ourselves seriously, it reveals that we must be taking someone else seriously, or someone else is taking us seriously. Paul writes, when I'm weak, he is strong. I will all the more gladly boast of my uh, weaknesses that the power of Christ would rest on me. It's not a program, but a person. It's not a duty, but a desire. It's not a discipline, but a dance. It's not about you, it's, it's about him, but check this out. He is all about you. He gives you his authority, his power, and his freedom, and through you changes the world. I mean, you are his hands, his body, his bride giving birth to the new creation. He gives you his authority and through you changes the world. In 1990, I met some believers that changed the world. 
They'd toppled the government of Romania just 11 months before, but that's really beside the point. They toppled the government, for God had toppled hearts through them for 45 years. I don't know what I expected, but what I found was a handful of happy fools who would not stop singing. The Romanian Revolution began when believers gathered around the home of Laszlo Tokish, a persecuted Romanian pastor, and began to sing. It was just like a week before Christmas. They sang Christmas carols. When the police stormed the crowd and took Laszlo, the song moved from his house to this huge central square in the middle of Timisoara. The song moved, but the song would not stop. My friend Peter Dugulescu was Laszlo's friend. He was there, and when I visited in 1990, he showed me around. He showed me the house, and then he went and he showed me around the square. He had scars. Peter had scars all over his body from the places that the Romanian authorities had tried to kill him for preaching the gospel. As we walked around this huge central square in Timisoara, Peter told me how hundreds of thousands of people had come to the square to join the singing and to chant, God exists, God exists. At one end of this immense square was an old stone cathedral. You can see it there in the distance. At the other end of this square was an immense public concert hall. At one point, the military opened fire on the crowd. Thousands of people ran to the cathedral where they were gunned down on the steps of the cathedral. The priests had locked the doors and now sat inside the cathedral because they took themselves and their authority very seriously. They derived their authority from the authorities or the government of, of Romania who demanded that they shut the people out and they keep their God in the box. So, so they hung on to their authority and they had no authority to preach the good news. At the other end of the square was this great concert hall. It's there that the people gathered and kept singing. They gathered to sing, and nothing could stop the music. From that balcony, my friend Peter um, addressed something like 200,000 people, they estimated, while snipers were still shooting at the crowd. It had been illegal for 45 years, but in spontaneous unity, when, when Peter said, let's pray, they all dropped to their knees and in unison recited the Lord's Prayer, like a song that they just could not forget. Peter and his friends had no authority, and yet all authority had them. In three days, the dictator of Romania was toppled. But the kingdom of God is not the new government of Romania. The kingdom of God is 200,000 disciples, holy fools, holy fools no longer taking this world seriously, but only taking God seriously. Not a program, but a person. Not a duty, but a desire. Not a discipline, but a dance. The beautiful thing. The body of Christ. I don't know what I expected. I imagine I expected, because I'd known something of this story before we went. I, I expected some sort of super saint, I suppose, but I remember Peter confiding me as we drove through the countryside. He'd say, Brother Peter, I struggle, and sometimes I have doubts, but God is good, and I love him. He reminded me of me.
and you. And those 11 confused disciples sitting on the mountain who nonetheless worshiped and changed the world. To 11 doubting disciples who nonetheless worshiped, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Going, therefore, disciple. If you don't believe the words of the great omission, I don't think you can fulfill the great commission. This is true. And I think this was true even while I was a pastor. But I used to pray that I wouldn't sit next to anyone on the plane. For I thought I had to make disciples of every seatmate on the plane. I couldn't enjoy my seatmates, for I'd try to save my seatmates. And I'm sure that my seatmates wanted to be saved from me. <laughs> I'd listen, but not listen. I'd manipulate the conversation to fit my program. It was obviously a duty and a discipline for, for me. I thought they needed knowledge of good and evil offered by me to make a decision that would save them from God. Thanks to me. I said, God is salvation, but with my fear, I taught I am salvation, or you are salvation, from God who is not salvation, a God who is not Jesus. Because I didn't believe that all authority had been given to Jesus, I believed that, well, it must have been given to me or to them, one of, one of us. Because I didn't believe the words of the great omission, I couldn't fulfill the great commission, but only encourage the great remission into darkness where men, sons of the kingdom, weep and gnash their teeth. But you know, when I began to believe the words of the great omission, that all authority belonged to Jesus and not Mises, an amazing thing began to happen. I stopped trying to save my seatmates. And I began to love my seatmates. <laughs> I mean, it just happened. It wasn't work. I wasn't trying to do it. It just, it just happened. I began to listen to my seatmates, and they began to listen to me. It wasn't a duty, it was a desire. It, it wasn't a discipline, but more like a dance. I didn't hide my doubts and fears and, and failures or the fact that I was a fool, and yet truth would sometimes just like flow out of me like, like a song. I loved my seatmates, and then I ended up discipling my seatmates. Because oftentimes, many times, the conversation worked its way around, and they would want to know, and I'd want to tell them about Jesus in me. Faith, hope, and love in me. I do not know, but, but through me, through me, maybe Jesus saved some of my seatmates. Salvation is trust in the one who has been given all authority. Not many believe that all authority has been given to Jesus, but sanctuary there's not a lot of us. Not many believe, but I think, I think you do. 
Not many believe that God's authority is stronger than our authority. Not many believe that God's will to save is stronger than our will to damn. Not many believe that all authority has been given to Jesus, but sanctuary, I, I think, I think you do. And maybe it's small. I mean, maybe that faith is like only the size of a, of a mustard seed, but I think you do. You believe the words of the great omission. All authority is his. And so the great commission is given to you. He took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. He took the cup, saying, this is the covenant in my blood. This is authority. And you are his hands. Go in, therefore, disciple. Let your light so shine. God, your Father, is calling you to share his joy. Dark cups are wine, light cups are juice.